Lockdown has meant many of us getting to know our families better. For the police, it's meant getting to know some of their clients better. They've managed to catch up with quite a lot of wanted criminals, people who are probably repeat violent offenders. But just as the law enforcers are changing the way they operate, so too are the law breakers. They've been dressing in high-vis jackets in supermarket car parks, one of the few busy places in the early stages of the pandemic, to try and um, do their dealing and still remain undiscovered. Will the new ways of operating by cops and robbers have a lasting effect once we reach the fabled new normal? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, the lessons of lockdown for policing post-pandemic. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. With almost everyone else staying at home, even violent offenders, police in London have been out and about. They're um, going around to violent offenders who perhaps have been prolific in the past but might have not committed offences for a while. That's Fiona Hamilton, the crime and security editor for The Times. They've drawn up a list of 1,000 of them and they're going around and visiting them and trying to persuade them to go straight. The list's been compiled on the basis of past convictions, known knife or gun possession or other malfeasance. Officers are seeking to visit each offender on the list twice. It's classic carrot and stick, a chat about the benefits of a crime-free life, but also a reminder to offenders that the police know where they live. He was about 19 years old and had been involved in local geographical beef between gangs. He'd been caught in possession of a knife and had been involved in the stabbing of an individual. Alex Murray is the commander for specialist crime in London. The initiative is his baby. And he spoke to me from Scotland Yard, officers walking purposefully in the background, while he told me about one young offender he went to see. I saw him at his bedsit in the heart of London and delivered a letter, you know, from the, the local area commander. That letter itself has been written by behavioural scientists to try and really appeal to people's better nature around how they can prevent violence. So it was a, a bedsit. The sort of sitting room also had two beds in. It was clean, but, you know, it, it would be challenging living conditions for sure. He lived there with his dad. He had extended family that lived elsewhere. 
he sat on his bed his dad sat on his bed and I sat on a chair in the room and just talked to him what kind of relationship were you able to strike up I think this is about um, whether you're a police officer or, or any human being it's about building that rapport and and certainly how you open the conversation and how you treat people with dignity and respect I think I was immediately challenged by his eloquence and it was clear he was a bright lad and in actual fact he was studying hard and he wanted to communicate that to me to say you know don't make judgments about me I'm a hard-working kid who's been to college and and he was open to listen but also to have that conversation back to me so he was keen to say to you look there's another side to me yeah and there always is isn't there there always is another side did he give you any idea of what he wanted for his own future yes he uh, said he wanted to study economics how about that how about that so it's the it's the little things isn't it so i i subscribed to the economist so i said well you know look I'm interested in uh, the uh, economy as well. Isn't it interesting what's going on at the moment? And it provides something to talk about. But here I am going in with the perception, this is someone who's been involved in gang violence, caught with a knife, involved in stabbing someone who wants to study economics. And so all our perceptions are challenged and some of them aren't. Our officers will have visited hundreds of people and had the door slammed in our face, been insulted. Other people who will be in prus, excluded. You can't draw any any theme from anything other than everybody is different and everybody's got a background and all our stereotypes and should rightly be challenged. I think the philosophy is we've got a bit of time, we've got a bit of space that we wouldn't normally have. So let's go and give it a go. And if you visit a thousand criminals, but it works for a handful, and then you have a few homicides that would have happened that don't, I suppose potentially it's worth it. How do you build up a level of trust between you in that meeting? Part of that is demonstrating that your motivation is good, you know, and, and it helps that you're not there to arrest them. And it helps that you're not there to respond to them being a victim of crime. You're only there to assist. So you're demonstrating your motivation is good. You're treating them with dignity and respect. And more importantly, you're listening to what they've got to say and responding. And, and the listening bit is really important. And, and from that, as soon as people realise that your motivation is good, then you can have an open and, and frank conversation. And also talking about people's hopes and aspirations in a way that often police officers don't get the chance to because they're either arresting someone or they're taking a statement from them because they're a victim of crime. This one, it's an... You don't have to worry about walls of evidence. Um, you just have to worry about building a relationship and getting your message across. It's one of those things, you know, we picture organised crime groups or seriously violent individuals, perhaps in a different way to what the data tells us. We've seen tragedies across London and across the country where bright individuals who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, probably carrying a knife, have been involved in stabbings and have been murdered or are murderers. And I think this individual fitted that bill. He was eloquent and intelligent and had the had his whole future ahead of him. But equally, he could choose to make the wrong decisions and it could turn very nasty quick. You know, when he left that bedsit, he could choose to carry a knife or not. And we know the data is really strong. And if you carry a knife, you're much more likely to have it used against you or to use it yourself and be incarcerated. So those small decisions create big turning points in people's lives. And this this was a bright guy, uh, I think. 
and I think he would have a bright future and it's little small decisions that we try to influence that will prevent disasters for him and, and his colleagues. When it comes to crime in Britain, how were we doing before the pandemic? What was the big picture like? The big picture is that recorded crime is actually at its highest levels in about 10 years. There's been a lot of reasons behind this, but one of the most enduring points of debate have been resources and the fact that during austerity, police officer numbers dropped so rapidly. Cressida Dick, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, herself has described woeful detection rates in terms of solving crime. And that really is one of the biggest issues of policing before the pandemic, that there was so much crime going on and they really weren't solving much of it. You had huge increases in vulnerability crime to sort of put a, a blanket title over it. That's things like sexual exploitation, modern slavery, county lines, drug dealing. Part of that actually is just exploding in use, but also police are getting better and better at recognising it and trying to crack down on it. Fraud is absolutely enormous. It's up at nearly 14% of all crime now. Of course, there's been somewhat of a violence epidemic across the country. Homicides are at their highest level for several years. And knife crime with injury of under 25-year-olds is an enormous problem. So we have a whole series of things before the pandemic had been getting worse. And we'd had a lot of concern, hadn't we, about whether we actually had the police resources to deal with them. What had happened to police resources in, let's say, the half decade before the pandemic? From 2010 to a year or so ago, we lost 20,000 police officers in England and Wales. Now, that was essentially due to austerity. Police forces weren't able to hire officers when officers retired. There was a hiring freeze across all 43 officers in England and Wales, and police numbers just completely dropped. Now, resourcing has a massive impact on your ability to combat crime. From your neighbourhood police officer, they're just simply not out in their communities learning about crime, but to much higher levels, much more complex crimes, fraud, even murder. Fiona, let's now talk about what's happened since the lockdown began, because the lockdown meant the biggest social experiment of my lifetime. We've never done anything even remotely like it before. And as it began, some senior police people like Cressida Dick said, this will give us the opportunity to do things as a police force, which we haven't been able to do before to keep tabs on violent offenders and so on, uh, because it's more difficult for them to move around. So what can we say has happened to crime since the lockdown began? It's basically plummeted. It just fell off a cliff because we all went inside. Crime has fallen by around 30%, but some crimes have fallen much, much faster. We've seen a 37% reduction in burglary, 30% or so reduction in vehicle crime, around a 40% reduction in sexual violence. In London, there's been nearly 70% less stabbings during the first six weeks of lockdown compared to the same period last year. As the lockdown has progressed, there have been more incidents of violence. There's been a spade of shootings recently, some fatal in London. But overall, crime has 
dropped dramatically. There's no nighttime economy. In terms of policing demand, it's been very good for them. They don't have to police large events like football, which take up a tremendous amount of resources. They're not getting sent out to fights in the street when pubs are open. So it's freed up a lot of resources for them. Those are incredible drops that you're, you're, you're talking about there. And you say it's freed up a lot of resources for them. Freed up them to do what? Cressida Dick recently gave a briefing to journalists and she told us that there's now a smile on her officers' faces, that there was a silver lining to the pandemic because they were able to approach policing differently. I guess we could think about it in two ways. First of all, your reactive policing. So she gave an example of a, a recent job. There were uniformed officers on patrol in a specific area of London and the call came up, 999 call, there was a big fight. The officers went to the scene and the people had scattered those involved in the, the crime. There were five or six very violent people, weapons were being used. They were all picked up on streets around half a mile away. First of all, the streets were quieter, so they were easier to find. Second of all, they've got a lot more capacity now. They could send more officers. So the commissioner said previously they might have sent one car to a job like that. Now they can send three cars. The second issue is proactive policing, what they're able to do. They've got people who are working from home. They can get a lot of the paperwork done and you free up your officers on the streets to go out and do some proactive policing. They've been looking up old intelligence, acting on leads faster than they normally would be able to because they simply don't have the flow of 999 calls coming in. What the Metropolitan Police say they've been able to do is crack down on some of the most violent offenders. What kind of offenders would they be? Are we talking drugs gangs or, or who? Absolutely. A lot of this is tied to drugs in London. You're talking about the most prolific violent offenders, the most prolific drug dealers, those gangsters who run county line gangs and prey on the most vulnerable to do their dirty work for them. Has that been the same picture do we know outside London? In areas such as Merseyside, police have been trying to crack down on county lines dealing and they're moving into known violence hotspots, talk to the community in an effort to claim the streets while the criminals aren't there. When we talk about a hotspot, what do we mean? Might be an area where you get a lot of gang violence because it borders territories. It might be somewhere where you have a high amount of muggings, for example, outside a train station where people are leaving with their phones. Or it might be a hot spot where drug dealing is occurring. Now, Fiona, I'm I'm not a drug taker. Um, but Good I've to watched, hear that, David. Yeah, yeah, not even under these circumstances. And uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I've watched a, a, a lot of TV and I've made programs myself. And we know that demand for drugs can be pretty constant. People want these things. If they haven't been able to get them in the usual ways during the lockdown, what have they been doing? Do the police know? So the drug demand is still there. Drug dealers themselves have had to take bigger risks to get their drugs into Britain. The National Crime Agency has done a series of seizures and they're much bigger than they would normally 
expect to intercept because of the lack of opportunity they're sending bigger shipments so perhaps two lots instead of four lots and they're getting intercepted and they're quite surprised sometimes at the quantities of drugs they're finding. Criminals are quite innovative they've been hiding drugs in PPE in other medical supplies in dry ice in medical vans to try and get shipments into the country. County lines gangs have been changing their behaviour somewhat. That model is predicated on gangsters in big cities sending out young, vulnerable drug dealers to market towns and seaside towns. There's been suggestion that they've been asking the drug users to take the risk themselves and come to them because they recognise that with quieter streets, the chances of them being caught are a lot higher. They've been dressing in high-vis jackets in supermarket car parks one of the few busy places in the early stages of the pandemic to try and um, do their dealing and still remain undiscovered. Drug dealers have been dressing in high-vis jackets and standing in supermarket car parks saying, hey, I'm your local drug dealer. Sorry, but uh, new rules. (laughs) There was a couple of guys arrested for this and police said that this was happening elsewhere. I suppose at the time, the supermarket car park was a reasonably busy place to be and you could pass yourself off as looking official when actually you're dealing crack cocaine. They're trying to keep a couple of steps ahead of the police. I wrote a story about a couple of crooks in Brighton who had pay-as-you-go card machines and they were issuing lockdown fines on the spot to people who were out after nine o'clock at night. These guys don't let a pandemic get in the way. They'll just find new ways to commit crime. They just go out on the street saying, I'm an official person, you've been breaking lockdown, but it's okay, you can pay me the fine. Yep, exactly. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
one of the things that one imagines is that an awful lot of crime has actually been happening now in lockdown, in other words, in yes. places where people are locked down. Can you tell me a bit about what the police have been discovering about this and what they've been doing about it? So domestic abuse is a big area of concern because people are trapped at home, they've got nowhere to go and they potentially have nowhere to be able to report domestic abuse. Other crimes of vulnerability are really quite concerning as well. Child abuse, sexual violence within the home, because the normal trigger points that we have for people to be able to report these things, doctors, teachers, social workers, none of that's going on. They're not getting access to those people. So they're not able to report things. But also a teacher isn't able to notice if a child is perhaps looking a little bit wan in school. They're quieter than usual and ask important questions. It's very hard to do that over something like Zoom. So there is a concern about some of the worst crimes that go on will only be discovered when this is all over. Has anybody managed to give you an example of cases from before the lockdown that because they've got extra resources, they've actually been able to crack now? The Met Commissioner, when she was talking us through the violence in the lockdown, they've managed to catch up with quite a lot of wanted criminals, people who are probably repeat violent offenders or wanted drug traffickers. A lot of them were self-isolating. And as she said, they're not that bright, some of them although they do quite well out of their life of crime. And they were self-isolating at their own address. So the police have simply gone around to their addresses and picked them up. I don't want to put too much of a gloss on it. There is still a lot of crime that's going on during the lockdown, in particular violent crime. There have been murders. The Met talk about concerns that a lot of the simmering tensions between gangs in London has moved online for this period. There's beefs, as it were, on social media. And once restrictions, as they're being lifted now, we might see a return to previous levels. And that's the concern. So it's not that the pandemic has completely wiped this out. Of course, these tensions were there. They're not going to just dissipate. But it has given the police a bit of room to do a bit more about it, potentially. Let's talk about what we expect to happen when the lockdown goes. Of course, it's being loosened now. So what is happening now? And then we can move to what we think might happen in the future. Crime is already starting to rise. Alcohol-related violence has already started to climb. As we get back to sort of a new normal, I guess, the crime that completely came off that cliff edge is expected to slowly rise back up again. So the model which the police seem to be working is that we will just bounce back. As we come out of lockdown, we will simply bounce back to where we were pre-lockdown. Is there anything that they think will have changed? I think they're hopeful with some of the issues of violence. So if you take the Metropolitan Police as an example, when we had that briefing with Cressida Dick, she talked about the fact that they'd been able to reclaim those streets and they'd like to keep a hold of them. So they've identified about 250 hotspot areas of London where violence has been most prevalent over the last few years. They've got regular patrols there and they've really been keeping an eye on those areas during lockdown and they intend to keep doing that to try and clamp down on that violence. Now, of course, all that does is run the risk that those criminals will go and operate somewhere else. So we'll have to see how successful that initiative is. 
there's a lot ahead of us, I think. We, we just can't really anticipate yet. We're clearly going to have a recession. Recession will obviously increase poverty, which often has an impact on increased crime. So the role of policing always is to prevent crime. And what about Alex Murray, who we heard from earlier, the police commander behind the initiatives to visit violent offenders during the pandemic? Does he think these techniques will survive the pandemic? Clearly, we need to solve it uh, and investigating crime, reacting to it, charging people and incarcerating where necessary is core business for policing. But if our job is to prevent crime, it's no good randomly patrolling the streets. We know that crime concentrates in a small cohort of areas with a small cohort of people and we need to work if we want to impact on crime in a focused way like this, using a whole array of tactics. And also, you know, there's just some lessons from being a human being that everybody sort of knows in any case, and that is the importance of demonstrating that your motivation is good and seeing a, a whole person for who they are. That's important for people and how they view the police, particularly now, and for how the police views people that they engage with. You know, we've all got backgrounds, families, children. We've all got stories to tell. We're, we're not one-dimensional people, either as a police officer or potentially as an offender. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guests, Times Crime and Security Editor Fiona Hamilton and Metropolitan Police Commander for Specialist Crime, Alex Murray. You can read more of Fiona's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Asia Fuchs and Will Rowe, the executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella, music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Also, in these uncertain times, you can keep up to date and well-informed on the coronavirus and so much more every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe today to find out more. See you again soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.